Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle Constant, 7 to 10 a.m. It is now time for us to crack into the last hour of the JSB. And as you know, at this time, we look at a person with purpose. We have a guest presenter. They tell us who they want to talk to. They play the music and they give us all the takes. They might even give us the recipes as well today. Let's crack right in. song of our guest presenter Juapela and Closer and who is our guest presenter well she was born in Etiquini Durban she's uh, based in Cape Town South Africa she's moved around the country and she's moved uh, and worked in the UK for a short while as well and uh, is someone that we love and adore here on the show Zola Nene we thought we wanted someone who was going to make us laugh, make us giggle. We could thought we thought we could just shoot the breeze with you in the next fifty minutes because we know you as the person who every week gives us some fabulous recipe, be it the yogurt and herb marinated chicken recipe or something else. But we thought let's try and find out a little bit more about Zola. Who is she actually? hello michelle thank you so much for the invitation to delve deeper into my my psyche and my foodie brain (laughs) isn't that just wonderful so let's talk about your very first song huapele why i I, i love that song it always puts me in such a good mood the backstory behind why i love that song so much is one like a few years ago i was having a really bad day and a friend of mine just messaged me to ask me oh how are you doing and I sort of let rip. I was like, oh, I'm having such a bad day. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. I feel down. And he literally sent me this song and he said, listen to this. This is who you are. Hmm. And I was just like, wow. And it just, it always puts me in such a good mood. It talks about, you know, uh, uh, rising above bad circumstances and um, moving closer to your dreams and reaching for the stars. And it just re-motivates me. It's just, it's a, my, one of my faves. Let's take you back a bit to uh, the fact that when you enrolled in university in um, in, in uh, Stellenbosch, Stellenbosch yes. that you actually chose to do a BCom law. I did, and and I, what interests me about that is we we always have this idea that you know we always say to kids when they like finish school, so what are you going to do now? Instead mm-hmm. of saying you know. Where are the spaces that you can learn? Maybe there's some other opportunities that you want to just like grow your mind with a bit. This wasn't the route that you went, but in no ways studying a BCom law is something 
that or having gone through two years of that is a bad thing. And I wonder if you could just talk to us about that. Absolutely. I think that um, if I hadn't gone through those two years, I wouldn't have found, you know, my passion or realized what I really what really fulfilled me and and I love doing. Mm. Also, I think that I needed to sort of move away from home and become quite independent in university and become my own person because obviously I was living you know, at home with my parents for all my schooling, etc. Um, so that was also like a very defining moment of having to make my own decisions and having to stand on my own two feet and rationalize my feelings and emotions myself before taking them to my parents. Um, so absolutely, it was such a valuable, valuable time to make me understand what I enjoyed, how I was as a student, how I lived by myself. Um, yeah, and it ultimately led me to my path uh, today. Um, so in no way do I regret it. In fact, I'm grateful for those years. I made some really great friends in those years. I gained a lot of independence in those years. And Actually, I, I still hold a lot of knowledge from, you know, the two years that mm. I studied BCom, um, economics, accounting, um, a bit of criminal law, a bit of mercantile law, a bit of wow. business law. So I do have a, a little bit of understanding of these things that actually do play a part in my, my life today, in my businesses today. So, you know, one of the things, of course, about when you go to university and if you're lucky enough to go to university is that you, as you say, you go in there, you're not necessarily sure of what you want to do. You start and at some point you may say, like you did, I don't want Mm. to do this anymore. Of course, that's uh, very difficult for your parents and it's very difficult to approach one's parents and tell them. Tell us about what that approach was. I mean, this is so appropriate now as we see youngsters finishing matric and going into university, but we're also seeing people who out of last year may have said, this is no good for me. I don't want to do this. How did you approach your parents? So for me, um, I kind of realized maybe in my first year um, that, you know, I was was doing okay. I wasn't doing great. And I was always such a a great student in high school, etc. So I knew that, you know, there was a reason why my marks weren't as good in university mm. and I was still applying myself to a certain degree. But anyway, I chucked on, you know, kept going. Um, at the end of my second year, when I was writing my second exam, I had to actually sit down and be really honest with myself and think, why am I so demotivated to try, you know, so hard? What is it about this that's not fulfilling me? And um, my dad always raised this saying, because he loves what he does. He always said that whatever you choose to do as a career, make sure you love it because you do it for more than 90% of your life, basically. Yeah. Um, so that always rang in my ear, you know, the back of my head. I always remember him saying that. Um, so when I actually realized, you know what, it's because I, I'm not enjoying this course or this, these studies to the fullest. But I always am somebody who wants to finish things and complete things. So I decided I'm going to call my dad. I'm going to let him know that, you know, I'm not, I don't love this, but I want to finish. So that was the phone call that I made. And I called my dad and I said, listen, I'm going to finish writing the exam, but just let, I just want to let you know that I don't think I'm really as passionate about, about law as I thought I was going to be. I don't think it's going to be my career path. And luck, fortunately for me, my dad said, don't do anything that makes you unhappy for a second longer. Don't write a single other, other exam. Wow. Come home and let's talk about what makes you happy. And I was like, no, it's fine. I'll, you know, you, you paid all this money. I've be, you know, I've studied all this. Let me just finish, um, and then we'll talk. And my dad said, nope, there is no, there's no need. There's no need for you to continue to be unhappy. Come home and let's talk about this. So that's literally what happened. And I went home. I didn't finish writing my second year exam. Um, 
went home and my dad sat me down and he said, okay, so this doesn't make you happy. Tell me what makes you happy when you're not even thinking about it. What do you do that fulfills you when you're not even conscious about it? And I said, do you know what? I really love to cook. And that's literally where it all started. And, you know, I'm very grateful for the fact that, first of all, my, my dad didn't, um, you know, I, I guess it's a natural reaction for a parent to go, oh, you wasted my money, you, you know, you've wasted time, etc. But for some reason, he was very understanding and he, he was only concerned about my mental state and my, my happiness um, and was asking me all the right questions about what does make you happy, what fulfills you, what, you know, not rushing me to make any decisions, just asking me general questions so that he could understand. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm very grateful. And you know, to parents, um, maybe listening and going through something like this with their kids, um, all we need really is is understanding and and just to feel to feel like our parents care. And um, even if we do decide on our on our own to continue, you know, the studies that aren't necessarily fulfilling us, I think that it helps to have a parent who you know you can go to with your concerns. And yeah. I'm very grateful that my dad gave me that that space and that understanding and that ear. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly I listen to you and critically what you're raising. And this is something that we raised earlier on in the show uh, with, with our breath of fresh air was this idea of what is the role of parents in the time of closure for a young person. So whether that closure is at the end of matric, whether that closure is because they failed matric, whether that closure is because they go into university, you know, just to absolutely just have a, an ear to listen mm. Uh, and to hear, and mm. I think that that's that's really really important. Zola, you you did say how you went on to say I love cooking, but what's mm. been interesting about you is that you love cooking, but you also play in the space of food media, and those are two very different spaces. Actually, they might come down to the idea of okay, fine, yeah, we cook, or mm. and then we, <laughs> we 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 create something beautiful. But but what are those differences? What is the kind of space? that food media might be that is not necessarily being a chef? Um, well, for me, I knew that I loved cooking, but I also knew that I loved sharing knowledge. And um, I, I know that, you know, the media space is very accessible to many people. So I knew I wanted to sort of be able to penetrate that um, yeah, genre or, or sphere of entertainment um, yeah. in terms of my food. So when I studied, um, after I'd worked overseas and I had my... Um, you know, my shaping experience, I came home and I studied for three years, which was also like a, a very conscious decision because it was a male-dominated industry. I knew that as a female, as a black female, I wanted to be able to be respected in the industry. So I wanted to have studies behind my, my name so that if I walked into a kitchen run by a male chef, he had no choice but to call me chef because I'd earned those stripes, if you yeah. know what I mean. Um, so I knew that that's, that was, was necessary. Um, but Oh, I've, I've lost my train of thought because I, I talk far too just, much. No, no, no. We just we're just talking about the idea <laughs> no, of this. So there's food the media. media, which is the sales yeah. almost. So yeah, so when I, I finished, I studied my, my culinary arts course to be a chef, I knew that I didn't want to stay in a traditional kitchen because I wanted to be able to, to communicate with people and reach people and teach other people besides, you know, the chefs that were in the kitchen with me. So I specialized in food media during my studies. Um, so that meant that I studied uh, food styling, food photography, um, food presentation in terms of, you know, being on in front of a camera, etc., and, and speaking about food and presenting food that way. So that's how I got into that part of the industry. And the reason why I did want to do food media 
was, like I said, because I wanted to be able to reach the mass market and teach them about food. Because for me, the, the love of cooking, is, um, the part of my love language is um, sharing food and teaching yeah. about food. Um, so I think the media sphere was how I knew that I would, you know, connect with my, many more people with, the, with my food, uh, yeah, my food career. Let's uh, talk about your second song that you've chosen here. Mm. Mm. Natty. <laughs> yes. Tell us about it. Well, we, we as a family absolutely love, love Natty. And when he's, this particular, the, the album that this particular song comes from came out, it was so strange how we all, as in my, my, my sister, my siblings, and my parents all heard it around the same time, but in different places. And the one time we came together and we were all singing the same song. It was like so bizarre. So this song, you know, he, he's always just stuck out as a um, an artist that um, transcends generations within my family. Um, and it's just such a beautiful song. And his voice is so soulful and it's just beautiful. I hope everyone else enjoys it as much as we do. Such a beautiful choice song dedicated to all our mamas in the world, Nati with Nobangu Mama. And that's the choice of our guest presenter, Zola Nene. So Zola, we felt that with a song like that, we just had to get uh, your mama on the line as well. <laughs> Bongi Nene is on the line. Thank you so much for joining us, mama. Thank you for calling me. <laughs> <laughs> so Bongi, we wanted to know from you, yes. your daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you remember her as a youngster in the kitchen. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that she did was to get into my cupboard, kitchen cupboard, yeah. get, a, get a bowl and put it on her head. <laughs> <laughs> the truth will out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't know at the time that, okay, she was going to be in the kitchen yeah. most, of her, most of her time. Yeah. And, yeah. And then when she was young, then she, uh, I would take them to the library. Then they would pick up cookbooks for kids. Yeah. Then they'll come home. She'll come home because she's bigger than the, uh, the young one. Yeah. Then they will try something, cook something, some breakfast for themselves under my supervision but and uh, then also when then she was at high school she did uh, home economics but i just thought that it was just an additional subject yeah but, but then she had an interest now in baking baking cakes for her, her friends that days then until she decided to stop studying law and went to to, to to UK, then she came back and then 
That's where everything else started <laughs> or continued. So, Bongi, um, we do have to go into sport, but very briefly before we go there, what I'd like to just ask you, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier and Zolo was talking about the importance of having parents at a, at, at a sort of inflection point in one's life, whether that would be at the end of matric or at the end of university or halfway through university. The importance to have parents who understand that uh, what you choose to do is something that can shift and change and be a different journey. Did you feel that that was the case with, uh, with, with Uzola? Yes, definitely it was, because if she wasn't supported by us, we would have told her to study something else that we would have thought that was better than being a chef. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, was, it was about trust, basically. Trust that your daughter knew what she needed to do. And also to, to not to, to, to stand in her way to do what she wanted to do more than than trust just to be free and allow her to spread her wings yeah amazing absolutely amazing Uh, i do have to ask you bongi in the who knows me better the parents edition on youtube (laughs) she won so yeah you won but but rumor has it you might even have cheated I'm teasing. <laughs> don't know me. I don't want to be accused. Yeah, no, I'm so teasing you. So, who knows her daughter better? Is it you or is it uh, her dad? I won the challenge. I know her better. We need a rematch, I think. <laughs> <laughs> And, and the father defended himself by saying that, no, you, you know her better because you carried her for nine months. <laughs> so then my question to you is, what do you think her favorite dish of all time is? That's my lamb curry. Ah, she knows. It's the curry. Yes, lamb, lamb curry. curry. Not any other lamb curry, but mummy's lamb curry. Mummy's <laughs> lamb curry. <laughs> yes. Bongi Nene, we want to say thank you so much for joining us. We also want to say happy birthday. We know your birthday was this month. And uh, if we could sing as beauteously as you and uh, Zola could cook, we would sing you happy birthday as well. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Zola Nene is our guest, and that is Bongi Nene, Zola's mom. Eight, uh, 931 it's Zai time with the sport. The Jet Set Breakfast on SAFM. Destination unknown. She's our guest today, Zola Nene, chef and uh, media foodie and much, much more. And it seems kind of interesting that we are going to go from food to art with your first guest, uh, Zola. I mean, and what sort of made me link, sort of join the dots was I was thinking of Seven Colors Trifle. And mm. then we go into an artist as your first guest. I'm sure you, you, you're joining those dots as well. Absolutely. <laughs> um, his, his work is as vibrant and colorful as, as Seven Color Trifle, like you said. Um, Robert Jacko is an amazing human being. I've had the, the privilege of meeting him and having you know time to talk to him about his passion. And it's just, he's a remarkable human being. The way that he has reimagined traditional art and made it palatable for a modern audience and therefore um, carrying on tradition in that way, I think is such a beautiful thing. And I think that the world should know about this amazing man and just, 
Yeah, anytime I get a chance to to talk to him and pick his brain about what inspires him in terms of his art and um, his career path in terms of creativity, I always jump at the opportunity. So, um, yeah, I hope everybody enjoys his company as much as I do. So, Zola, it, it would, of course, take a chef to describe someone's work as palatable. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Baba Cheko, you are on the line. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Zola. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Baba. So, you know, uh, Zola says uh, talking about a journey, Baba Cheko, and yeah. I- I'd love to hear for you, what yeah. is the journey? for? How do you see it as playing out? Is it is it a commercial journey? Is it a journey that just really is a focus on the art of creating and experimenting and growing? Tell us a bit about that. Um, I think uh, it's a journey about uh, self-expression, really, um, because uh, for a long time I tried um, to operate within the, 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 the gallery system and the way art works in, in, in South Africa and the world in general, but uh, I just couldn't get in there. And I, I, I just thought uh, it would be best for me to focus on creating uh, authentic work and really sharing it out with, with with people, with members of the public. Um, and I really think uh, social media has really played a huge role in, in that in that process. So for me, it's really creating and putting out uh, my thoughts and ideas out there, and hoping they connect with the next person. Uh, and yeah, that's that, that's what I like. You know, I want to ask both of you, and it's a word that you've used now, mm. is this idea of authenticity. Um, it's it's a, it's it's. I mean, one could almost say that in the media space, it's completely overused, or certainly in the business space, it's used overused as well. But it does have some traction around who one is, how one yes. operates. Yes. What does authenticity mean for you, Baba Cheko? And then uh, Zola, I'm I'm going to ask that question of you too. Okay. Uh, perhaps I should uh, bring you a little bit, uh, uh, share a, a bit about my background. Uh, so for a long time, I struggled with uh, depression, anxiety, and identity crisis. And I think that's because I grew up in a very strictly religious family um, that's a born again uh, type of uh, religion. Uh, so as much as it has played a huge role in uh, my morals and me being the, the 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 good person in society, I really felt like it really uh, surprised my ability to express myself, my mm. colorfulness. So it, it, it I struggled a lot for uh, uh, for a long time. So uh, when the time came for me to be able to, to when I decided to really express myself through my work uh, that is inspired by culture something that is uh, mm. a bit uh, not appreciated so well in the Christian space uh, well in the context of my family that is uh, it was really a space where I felt uh, felt good uh, 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 beyond the connection with culture uh, creating uh, played a huge role in providing me with peace, with calm, with joy, uh, because now I could express my thoughts, my feelings, and a little bit of my my personality. So I think mm-hmm. that's authenticity to me, um, be able to share with the world uh, the real me, the real Baba Jeku, uh, and, and it has been a great joy to, to, to start and continue that journey. I wow. would, I would um, Zola, talk to us, what, what does it mean for you? Um, I mean, 
I, I just love hearing Baba Jacob speak about his journey and um, his connection to culture and himself. And I think that that's what authenticity is. I think that it's just, it's being so at peace with who you are and the version of, you know, the you that you are in the world and um, that you want to share it with people. And I think that it's so, uh, with social media and media in general, it's so easy for you to become what people, you know, want to to for you to be um, mm. and for you to stay true to what makes you happy and who you are is what um, authenticity means to me and what has served me so well so far within my career um, I only know how to be myself and um, that <laughs> may be weird to some people that may be you know off-center to some people but that's okay I proudly and loudly live who I am and how mm. I am uh, um, mm. every single day and share my passion through that and mm. I think that it's so important to maintain that um, yeah. Yeah, for, your, for my own sort of um, mental health and stability and happiness. Um, yeah, and also just, you know, how hard would it be to be playing a role for, you know, all the time? Um, so it's just better to just be yourself and be authentic. That way you just, yeah, you, the best version of yourself is let out into the world, I think. So, so Baba, I'm going to go back to your artwork. You you do practice. Um, it's it's for it's a form of uh, Sutu mural art, which is called yes. litema. 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 Sorry yes. for my pronunciation there. Yes. But yes. but just talk to us. Describe it for our listeners who may not be able to have seen it um, because we're on radio. Oh, okay. So litema uh, is this traditional art form that was practiced. Uh, by Basutu women in the olden days, whereby um, they'd have these hearts, the, the, the mud homes, uh, which is made of hard uh, mud, and then they would have uh, geometric uh, shapes painted on the these mud homes uh, walls using uh, natural colors, uh, different types of soil uh, soil colors, and then to to create their geometric forms. Uh, many people would know of the Ndebele. Uh, but with the basoto, it's more of the natural colors because in the Bella are very bright. Yeah. So with 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 the basoto, it would be uh, your yellow ochre, your 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 brown, um, more like the soil and a bit of uh, red, uh, and yeah. So 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 that's really similar to the Ndebele uh, patterns mm. that they do on their walls. So. Uh, it's similar to that. So it's similar. We, we've seen the work of Dr. Esther Matlangu, who yes. is uh, in the Ndebele uh, version yes. or culture of that particular style of art. But this is something yes. slightly different, but mm. nevertheless within the similar genre. Yes, definitely. And then after uh, making some research more about it, I realized uh, because of people moving to the cities and young girls not being interested in continuing the culture, it was now a dying art form. That's why I then decided to come in to, uh, as a proud Musutu, uh, then take it and uh, decided to integrate it into my own visual language to preserve it, to preserve the history and the memory. And just to keep the culture alive by in mm. reintroducing it uh, in, in a contemporary uh, manner. So, Baba, very briefly, I, I read that you were you were doing research into the likes of Gerard Sekoto, George Pemba, mm. Dumile Fene, David Koluane, and yes. others. And what I yes. liked about that was this idea that mm. you were like taking a long, hard look at um, our own cultural and artistic history. Um, yes. Why is that important for you? 
I think uh, uh, history is a very important uh, uh, part uh, in our society. Uh, it plays a very important part. Um, so, and preserving it for uh, the generations to come mm. helps with uh, sort of tracing back the development and the, the, the process of uh, of mankind. So they are able to learn about those who came before them. But I also believe it's carrying through the ideas of those who started and really improving on them. I think that's what life is all about. It's really that humility of learning from the past and then taking what works and then continuing in improving that uh, moving forward. So I think that's what's important about learning about those who came before us. Mm. That's the artist Baba Cheko and you can follow his work on Instagram Baba underscore Cheko T-J-E-K-O and check out some of those images and he's the guest of none other than our guest for today Zola Nene. Zola, uh, before we go into your next guest, I want to just uh, pick up on what Baba was saying, which is this idea of history. And I wanted to know for you, which parts of history, you know, uh, you know, are you, you know, as he worked with artists and looked back at the history of art in this country and what that meant, were there any specific spaces that you've engaged with when it comes to food? Um, for me, I think that my um, reference to uh, historic South African food has always been Mam Dora Sitole. Yes. Um, and um, I was, you know, lucky enough to have met her and actually ha- have have had her had her become a really big part of my career um, and a mentor of mine and somebody who I would speak to on, you know, many occasions. I mean, she laid the groundwork for me to be able to do what I do today. Um, she has always been unapologetic about spreading South African and African food culture to the world. And she's always been such an amazing reference point. And um, I'm so glad that I got the chance to actually tell her how amazing she was and how amazing and important her work was before she passed on. Mm. Um, So, yeah, she's always been um, such an inspiration and just such a a wonderful human being and a wonderful African woman who spoke so proudly about our food and the way that we eat and how vibrant and delicious it all is. Um, So yeah, I miss her dearly and I'm so grateful that, uh, yeah, she was like a a living legend for me for for many, many years that I actually got to, to, to be in contact with. It seems appropriate then that we go into your second guest, who is Kanya Mzungwana, food stylist, chef, contributing editor of Taste magazine, and really uh, understanding women and food in this country in so many different ways. Your second guest, Kanya, why have you chosen her? Um, Kanya is just a powerhouse when it comes (laughs) to deliciousness. I tell you, I, I, I kid you not, anything that she puts on a plate, well, is drew worthy. She's also an avid gardener, which I really love. She speaks like uh, about her plants and her um, her seedlings, like they're her her children, which I really love. And I think that um, she she's really endearing. She's also very open about you know the struggles that she faces, and also is a champion of you know um, authentic South African food and indigenous food and revamping it and making it you know again palatable that word that I like to mm. use um, for the modern generation. I think that not enough people know about her and her work, and I thought this is the perfect opportunity to uh, yeah, shed a light on the amazing soul that she is. Kanya, there you go. There's uh, your credit to you today. <laughs>
Holy crap. <laughs> hey, Zola. Hey, Michelle. Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. So, Kanya, I want to just uh, talk to you very briefly about the idea of women and food in this country. We were just mentioning Dora Citrole a little bit earlier. But, uh, mm. you know, I look at both of you, uh, you and Zola as well, and just how you have managed to shake up the world of food in this country in such a diversity of ways. How challenging has that been? I'll, I'll start with you, Kanya. Well, I mean, for me, I feel as though the people that hold, that create and hold history, food history and food heritage in South Africa and, you know, in the world over are women mm-hmm. and black women at that for me, you know. And um, so it's just only felt right to, you know, continue in that path and stuff. So, um, yes, it's very challenging because I always say that when you're a black woman, you kind of dealt uh, with a bit of like a double blow in the sense that... <laughs> double whammy, yeah. In, yeah, double whammy, yeah. Like in the sense that to be considered half as good, you have to be... You know, you have to do twice the amount of work. You know, you have to show up um, Mm. so much more than, you know, your other counterparts, you know. And it's it's a challenge, you know. Like, um, I'm a person who's very hard on myself creatively. And, like, I expect, like, the best isn't good enough. It it never is, you know. So these are, like, challenges um that we face because we are really really held to an incredibly sometimes an impossibly high standard you know and 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 a standard of authenticity as well you know um zola was mentioning you know like traditional food and stuff in south africa and how um it's not easy to to please everybody especially with dishes that are close to the heart especially dishes you know that we grew up with and Playing around with them is like playing with fire for some people, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's also that, you know, being an artist and then also wanting to stay true to your roots and wanting to stay true to other people's roots and not wanting to hurt people's feelings yeah. um, by remixing the dishes you, too much, you I, know I, how it goes. I want to just, you know, you, you mentioned like living to an impossibly high standard. You know, there's a theory that... Um, that as women become more and more experienced, what they often do is they start to mistrust themselves more and more. So mm-hmm. they're, they're, it's, 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 I can't remember the name of the theory, but it is a, a very interesting one. It takes place a lot in, in the business world, where as women move up the ranks, they start to question their own skills and their own ability. So the further they get, the more they question. Do you feel like mm-hmm. that may also be the case as well, that it's not necessarily that you are being judged, uh, as harshly mm. as one considers, but that maybe one is uh, falling into that trap. Mm. Uh, the the old imposter syndrome. That's, hey? that's yeah. it. I was yeah. thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. You know, I think imposter syndrome is is one of those things. You know, especially when you feel like you've come into an industry in a non traditional way. You know. Mm. Um, I don't have the the cordon bleu training, but the type of the way that I acquired my experience was 
has been very work. much through like yeah, well, hard work, yes, but also working in a lot of different types of food establishments, and it's something that I talk about a lot. Like, um, it's just kind of like it, it gives you like a very well-rounded um, way of doing things when you've worked in a tramazzini joint, you know, and <laughs> you've worked at a Wimpy and then you worked at a Magandine and then you've also worked at like a gastropub, you've worked in a fine dining establishment. It kind of, um, it gives you, you know, a lot more, it gives you kind of a full circle uh, mm. experience of food as well, you know, and it also turns you into a non-judgmental cook and stuff who can yeah. who can discern and who can who knows how to be different ways, you know. Yeah, um, yeah when it comes to food. Let, let, let's talk question. about being different ways uh, very quickly before we have to close off. And that is, uh, uh, Zola mentioned your your love of a garden and the, your love of planting foods. And and I'd love to hear from both of you. I love the idea of growing things. I'm not very good at it, but I love the <laughs> idea of it. And certainly when I, you know, see like a little bud on one of my plants at home, I'm like, whoa, it's just <laughs> incredible. You and me both. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you, Suzola, do you also feel that? Do you get a sense of, wow, this is something extraordinary? Absolutely. I mean, just the other day I harvested some jalapenos. Um, from a yeah. plant of mine yeah. and I felt like I'd won the lottery it was like that type of feeling <laughs> which is why I love tapping into um, Kanya's um, gardening she's she's definitely green fingered um, <laughs> so she's always you know she's got millies one day and she's got tomatoes and, and chilies etc so she's really great at it And but what I love as well is how she takes not only her gardening, but her, her love and interpretation of traditional food. And she's created these like food experiences where people can experience tradition or, or yeah, cultural food in a, in a really different light. And I think that that's really cool as well. But in terms of gardening, I just look up to her. I look up to her, <laughs> the way that she's <laughs> able to nurture a tomato and grow it into full life. Whereas mine, not all of them make it. But, you know, that, that one chili, those, those few chilies that I harvested were like my pride and joy, Michelle. No, one chili does you. not a summer make, my friend. <laughs> wow, Michelle. <laughs> Kanya, what is that moment of joy? When you look at that little tomato that's growing, it, it obviously feeds into so many different things, excuse the pun. But uh, tell us mm. what, what it means for you. You know what? And I have a friend of mine, Rebecca, and we're constantly talking about gardening, like we're gardening nerds together. And I realized how seasonal this thing is because when Zola gushes about my gardening and stuff, and I'm looking at my garden right now, having kind of an off season, I'm just like, I am an imposter. <laughs> oh, no! Because there are um, there are crops that do really well, and then there are ones that just don't. And I always um, it, it's such it's always such heartbreak, you know, when you um, when you plant something and you hope for the best, and then it just doesn't work out and things. But um, I really enjoy gardening. It's something that I um, I've inherited from both my mom and my dad. Yeah. Um, they're both really avid gardeners and they're really good at it. And I'm like going to the window to go actually look <laughs> at the garden and stuff just to tell you what's going on right now. But it's um, my garden is a lot of things that I've been gifted by friends, you know. Lovely. And also yeah. just things that um, 
we were discarding and then they just decided to grow. <laughs> um, you so, know, like watermelon and oof, beans and, and also chilies and stuff. But the but gardening, the, the reason I really started is because my mom had this um, backyard and stuff and it was it was a lawn, you know, and I was just like, how about we do a garden situation? And it's been a really big part of, you know, like my healing and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like... It's been, it's just been a really, um, it's been more than a hobby for me, you know, it's just been something that's been really important in helping me heal and yeah. it's, and so type of, um, I have a say, I have a thing that I always say where I'm just like, if you're gardening, like it's, it's impossible to be gardening and be sad at the same time. Like it's just, it's impossible. It's about <laughs> being present. Kanyam Zungwana, thank you so much for joining us. Sola, we have to close off. So I want to leave the last word for you very briefly. If you had to speak to young women who want to work in the food space as you and Kanya do, what would your bit of advice be? Because it may not be go and get a good, you know, learning in the food world. It might be something else. What is it? I think um, basically it's, you know, what Miss Universe said, is take up space. You, you deserve the space and you should take space where you feel most comfortable. So get into those spaces. Find, um, you know, the, a, a person, a chef or somebody who works in an establishment that you aspire to create for yourself or, you know, a space that you love and ask them to mentor you. Um, it takes nothing away from somebody to, you know, pass on knowledge and share their knowledge so that you can gain experience. And like you said, Michelle, not everyone has the opportunity to go and study, but experience counts for so much, especially in this type of industry. And the more that you can expose yourself to the things that you love and you are passionate about, the more that you are able to grow within your passion. And from then on, the sky's the limit. So I just encourage everybody to just follow Follow the, where their soul leads them. Follow where your passion really leads you, and you really can't go wrong. Taking up space, that's Zola Nene. 10 o'clock, time for the news. No longer good morning, but from us, goodbye.